When you have an opportunity, you should take it. No matter what it is, if you think it's gonna help you make things better for you, you should at least try it because you never know how it's gonna turn out. There's plenty of things I can point to and say, oh, this is a missed opportunity, this is a good opportunity that people can relate to their day job where they're working out of office or whatever. I think most of us don't even know what we're capable of, myself included, and we're never gonna know if we don't ever test ourselves. Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast. We're back with another special edition of the Big Gold Belt Podcast. The storylines have not made sense from WrestleMania to it's, now. It's been the, the best told story leading into this on WWE. This, this pay-per-view, it feels big, it feels important, but ultimately it's exciting. The biggest thing that, that stood out for me when I seen it, I was like, okay, this has to be a joke. Yeah, Special Saturday episode of the Big Go Boat Podcast. This is Two Champs here along with my fellow co-host Jamal. What's up, man? Hey, what's going on? And you know, if we're doing something on Saturday, that means it's got to be a special show, a special occasion, and that means we must have a special guest. Today, we have one of the baddest guys on the indie scenes, one of the baddest guys at Nova Pro, constantly working i mean literally if you're friends with this guy on, on facebook like he does nothing but train every single day it's either him training sparring running this, this, he lives sleep and and, and and dream this stuff we have <clears throat> john kerman the Terminator, on the show today what's up man not much man how are you guys doing oh you know chilling okay. good saturday you know you know uh, how about yourself I'm Training. pretty good, you know, just uh, hanging out on Saturday night, talking to you guys. Uh, always going to be a good time. I know that. My man, this is uh, something that I've been wanting to do for a long time. And um, with everything that's just going on in your life and, um, and and career, I figured this was no better time to pull the trigger. And let's 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 get on air and let's let's get this going. So we're finally here. and We're going to do the thing. Uh, first of all, where, where are you actually calling from right now? Because. Uh, my 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 guts is telling me you might be in the gym right now. Uh, nah. <laughs> Saturday I only work out one time a day, so I got that <laughs> out of the way this morning. <laughs> uh, I'm just hanging out at my home in Washington D.C. right now. I hear that. So on the contrary, how many times are you training a day? Uh, it depends. Normally at least two. Uh, Saturday is my kind of take it easy day. I only train one time. Um, other than that, it's some kind of skill work where I'm working on a martial art, whether it's striking or grappling, and then normally some kind of cardio-based thing. I hear that. And and, and yesterday, actually, I saw that you held a, a class for teaching Muay Thai? Yeah, yeah, I teach Muay Thai as well. Um, I also teach, like, kids jiu-jitsu, uh, kids CrossFit. Um, I've taught MMA classes before. Uh, I've kind of done it all. Okay, because I was I was gonna say I um I know you build as a grappler. I mean, and and, and it shows. But I saw that you was teaching more Thai. I was like, oh, he's no more Thai too. So you're you're very much well rounded. So is there is there any uh form of martial arts that you that you're not familiar with? Maybe judo. Um, or... I mean, I don't know like taekwondo, or karate, or any of those t type of things. Um, yeah. primarily just jujitsu and Muay Thai. Uh, because those are kind of the main things for MMA. Um, I mean, I include boxing and wrestling kind of under those because they're part of it as well. 
Uh, but that, those are pretty much the only ones I know. I don't really know any of the other kind of stuff. Okay. Um, is, is there a type? Of, is there a type of uh, martial art that you've seen that you that you want to get into, but it's just that we don't we don't necessarily do it over here? Uh, I'm thinking of like Salat from Indonesia, or or um, what's the thing, Capoeira in Brazil. Um, maybe judo. Uh, we don't really have judo at my gym. Um, there's Maryland Capital MMA. They have judo there. Uh, so maybe if we had those at the one that I train at. That would be good too, uh, just to kind of pick up an added dimension. Huh? Uh, is there any overlap between the different techniques and styles? Like, okay, well, if you know Taekwondo, then maybe Judo may be a little bit easier. If you know Judo, then maybe, uh, you know, uh, you know, Wing Chun or something like that would be easier. Yeah. Is, is there, um, is there I mean, like if people game? know Taekwondo, it kind of makes it easier for them to pick up Muay Thai. Uh, they kind of understand like you have to stay in a particular way and there's particular ways to strike uh, more so than somebody who's done even just like boxing because um, they might be really good with punches but when it comes to kicking they won't know how to do any of it you know what I'm saying Fair enough. yeah yeah so <clears throat> I figured that we'll start off this show um, again I mean we already chimed into a little bit your MMA background uh, then venture into your wrestling background. And the reason is because if anybody doesn't know, I mean, this guy is a professional MMA fighter and is also um, an indie, an independent wrestler. Um, um, and, you know, gives you the best of both worlds. Something that, you know, you, you've you been in the game, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, since 2004, um, which is a long time, where this type of hybrid hybrid athlete seems to be a thing that's this all of a sudden becoming very popular right now. I mean, I maybe became a, a MMA um, fan maybe late out the college. So around like 2010, been a wrestling fan a lot longer than that. And I know there was, you know, profound people such as um, Ken Shamrock and um, Dan Severin, but you know, WWE in a wrestling period never really paid homage to the fact of, you know their MMA background, but now you look at this this new group of people. You know we could say people like Shayna Baszler or um, or um, Bobby Lashley and even Brock Lesnar now that they're you know they let it known that hey this guy is a, a collegiate wrestler but also has a a, a very extensive um, MMA background. Just wondering, how do you feel about that being in the game so long? How do you feel about seeing the progress and just the the dynamics of that all changing? Uh, I think, I mean, I like it, to be honest. Um, I think it brings a lot of legitimacy. You know what I'm saying? People always talk about legitimacy in wrestling. But what's more legitimate than somebody who's gone and, like, beating people up for real? Uh, coming in and then doing wrestling, too. Um, and, too, it's the thing of, like, people are always like, oh, Brock Lesnar is so wild and crazy now since he came back, since he did MMA. Um, like when he busted Randy Orton open in that match, everybody was like, <laughs> oh man, that was crazy. He was yeah. shooting on him and doing all this crazy stuff. Uh, so I think it's a good thing, you know, and I think it's, uh, also we kind of bring a different dynamic, um, Matt wrestling than a lot of other people can. And I think that's good too, because, uh, you know, for a while people are all about the crazy moves and crazy dives doing all this crazy stuff. But I think people are getting more into kind of the like actual wrestling based stuff uh, more now so than they were before. Um, yeah. 
and it's also I think pushed a lot of people to kind of pursue different types of training. Um, like I know a lot of wrestlers who do CrossFit or like parkour, that kind of stuff, just because, uh, you know, to try to be a little more athletic. Um, like people have done a lot of things, uh, before that, like there's a period of time where I felt wrestling, you didn't see very many new movies. You didn't see a lot of different things, but Mm -hmm. I would say even the last like five years or so, you've seen so many different matches and people and crazy spots come out. And it's, uh, it's pretty awesome. I think. Okay. I couldn't agree more. Um, so I know you have a very extensive amateur career. I mean, you picked up uh, two significant wins in 2007 against uh, James Hoffman and Joshua Oxendine. And then you recently just had uh, your debut in um, your professional MMA career. And for anybody who doesn't know the difference, um, amateur uh, martial arts, Miss Martial Arts matches are billed to be uh, three three-minute rounds and yeah. professional is three five-minute rounds. Um, and so you, you debuted at strike off 11, which was in Virginia. And although the outcome, uh, may not have been, went the way you wanted it to go. I mean, you're a guy that shows a ton of resilience. I have to know next, what, what is next for you or what have you learned from this experience? And could you talk about the dynamics of being in a traditional three, three, a three, three and a three, five? Um, I mean, it's just a lot more conditioning. Uh, I kind of knew that ahead of time. Uh, so that's why, like, I picked up my running a lot. Uh, like, you know, Facebook has a Facebook memory thing. So sometimes I'll have runs pop up from a year ago and I'm like, wow, my time is so much slower and I did it so much more frequently. Uh, so really that's the biggest thing. Um, but if you know that, you know, like you're knowledgeable of it and you think about it and plan for it ahead of time, it won't really be that much of a problem. Um, like I, I feel real great and in real good shape. Uh, and I'm looking for a fight right now. Um, at the end of the year, there's not a whole lot going on. Uh, there's like only one card in December by the time that I contacted them, it was already filled up. Uh, so I'm kind of looking towards the beginning of next year for my next one. Awesome. Um, so, so in other words, then, cause I had no, I had no idea of this. You also have to, um, just like in, um, independent wrestling, you also have to, get your um you you also have to make your own bookings as well i I wasn't sure maybe that the promotions there was maybe some ranking system or something that they had to go about or something within the area but you're saying that you do have to go out to make your own bookings a lot of times it works one of two ways either you can contact a promotion that's having something or sometimes they'll contact gyms and ask if there's any fighters of certain weight classes that are available to do fights on a certain date okay um but those are pretty much the main main ways uh i mean there's the one local professional promotion uh obviously they know the owner of my gym so they um they'll hit him up whenever there's a car going on see if there's anybody interested in doing anything awesome jamal you had something yeah uh really a question about you know so if you're training for mma and you're training for wrestling and those are not exactly the same thing and you know since making your professional debut are there elements to MMA that from wrestling that you have brought over or are there and vice versa? And uh, more importantly, when you are in a wrestling capacity, um, do you, how do you get, how do you deal with the, the differences between different types of wrestlers? I mean, uh, an MMA fighter um, 
you know, you kind of take what you can get, but the wrestling matches are, you know, booked differently than an MMA match. Yes. Um, so, I mean, I, I bought a lot of stuff over from MMA to wrestling, I think. Uh, I actually prefer to wrestle more traditional pro wrestlers because uh, to me the coolest thing that I can do is kind of, as far as incorporating the martial arts stuff is come up with counters to kind of people's moves. Um, so when I get in there with another guy who does MMA or does grappling, it's kind of like we do the same thing. So people are kind of watching what would probably happen if we were competing in a grappling match or uh, in the gym or something uh, as opposed to maybe more of the traditional style pro wrestling match. Uh, so it kind of just depends on what you like. Um, as far as uh, how they go together, um, yeah, I mean, I would say the biggest thing I've brought from wrestling to MMA is the improvisational aspect of it. Um, in wrestling, sometimes you got to improvise on the spot and be quick on your feet and quick to react and think. Um, so that actually helped out with MMA as far as like if I feel something, I have to just go for it as opposed to maybe somebody who hasn't done either thing might stop and think for a second. Um, and as far as from MMA to wrestling, uh, I mean, like I said, I have different ways of doing counters to things and uh, ending up in different spots or different holes with people than I mm -hmm. think a lot of people uh, even do, um, even some of the MMA guys in wrestling. And that, a lot of that probably has to do with my size. I'm kind of a smaller guy. So when I train jiu-jitsu in the gym, I have to do what I call small guy moves. Mm -hmm. uh, so if these guys aren't doing the small guy moves, they don't really know how to do them um, or even incorporate them in the wrestling aspect uh, of their careers or whatever. Uh, so I think that that kind of gives me an advantage over them in that way. Now, I remember when you started out uh, in Nova Pro, and, you know, we saw a very, you know, traditional MMA match. And, you know, to be honest with you, as a person that's not a fan of MMA, I didn't know what to make of it. And I think that a lot of the crowd didn't know what to make of it. You know, we came for a wrestling show and a UFC show broke out. And you fast forward a year and a half later, uh, you know, you're definitely one of the you know, main guys, uh, you know, one of the bigger draws in Nova Pro. Do you agree with the uh, the sentiment that you know the crowd was less responsive than the normal for your more traditional MMA matches? And when do you think, if at all, that you turn the corner with the crowd? Um, sorry, can you repeat the second part of that? I didn't quite hear it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I so said, when, when do you think, if if you do think, that when do you think you turn the corner with the crowd? Uh, you you kind of start kind of off kind of slow with the traditional MMA in a wrestling setting. And the crowd wasn't particularly responsive, in my opinion. Yeah. You turned that corner with the crowd, uh, you know, and uh, at the point where now you're one of the bigger guys in, in Nova Pro. Uh, for me, uh, yeah, I kind of agree with that. Um, I think people just didn't really know what to make of it at first. Uh, like I said, while there are people that have done MMA um, and wrestling, uh, I just think that the style that I brought and the way I do things was a lot different from the way that they do it. Um, I think I started to turn the corner really when, um, kind of last year when Sanjay was in a feud with Logan, uh, me and Logan did a thing to, uh, Logan took the guy's fake leg off and hit me with a fake leg. Uh, I don't know if you guys are watching the shows then. 
<laughs> of um, <laughs> but Logan took the guy's fake leg off and hit me with it and pinned me. And we had a uh, a pretty wild match the next month. And I kind of think that's when people started kind of getting onto my side. And then just the matches that I had after that, uh, I would say I, I delivered, you know, again, just a lot of different things that people might not have seen before. And at that point, I think people were starting to also kind of understand what I was doing and who I was. Um, mm. And they just kind of like, you know, I gained steam from there. I I got a response to this, but I I I'll I'll I'll, I'll get to it in in just a little bit to this exact question. Um, okay. I just want I just wanted to make sure I, I had something clarified first. Um, are you still uh, building yourself at one forty five, and you are competing in the featherweight division? Yeah, that's what I fight at. What, and what's your natural weight? Um, it depends. It kind of fluctuates. Uh, walking around, I'm normally closer to 165 than anything else. Okay. Um, and, and do you do you find cutting, which is considered? I mean, I I don't know much about this, but I've I've heard plenty of people say that cutting weight is extremely dangerous. And I mean, that's about 20 pounds, I believe. Yeah. Um, do you find any challenges in this at all? Nah, I've done it enough times now that, uh, like, I know how to do basically like a science. So it hasn't ever been a problem for me. Like, I've never missed weight. I fought probably around 25 times. Uh, and I don't even know, like, jiu-jitsu tournaments are weight-based too. So I've cut for a couple of those as well. I don't know how many exactly. Uh, but I know what I'm doing at this point. Um, even to the point of this year, I don't know how many people even know this. This year... Uh, at the Commonwealth Cup, I had a fight the next night. So I weighed in before the Commonwealth Cup when I wrestled Tracy Williams. Yeah. Uh, and then did that three-way later. That's right. And then I fought the next day. <laughs> uh, considering that you are a featherweight and, and in the UFC, I consider the featherweight to be um, one of the most interesting classes in there. I mean, you have some some of the best and top fighters in the world in that division come with like Max Holiday. I mean, Conor McGregor. Jose Aldo, and even um, Uriah Faber, who's one of my favorites of the past. Um, looking at that division right now, and, and looking at UFC and all, I mean, do you do you absolutely think that 145 is probably the most competitive weight class in, in MMA laterally, no matter what, no matter uh, what promotion it is? Uh, I'd say yeah, it's one of them. I mean, there's like you said, there's just so many guys there that. Or it could be title contenders. I mean, any of those guys could win a title fight at pretty much any time. Um, it seems like a lot of the other divisions. Uh, well, it kind of depends. A lot of it's a crazy time in UFC right now. There's been a lot of belt changes. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people knocked off when it seemed like divisions were kind of locked down for a while, or people yeah, were right. Or, so uh, right now, I, I don't feel like there's any uh, division that's not really that competitive. Except um, for the flyweight, maybe heavyweight, flyweight. Yeah, no, yeah, no that's true. Demetrius Johnson, Johnson. Nobody's ever going to beat him. <laughs> <laughs> that dude's going to have to retire. Uh, nobody's beating that guy. Yeah. Nah, nah. That's one of my I best. I like that, though. Yeah, me too. Like, me I too. know, yeah, a lot of people don't like things like that. Like, people didn't like Anderson Silva and yeah. GSP and all that type of stuff or how they won all the time. But you should appreciate, like, greatness when it's around. You know what I'm saying? That would be, like, hating on Jordan and then when he retired exactly. being like, oh, he's the greatest ever. <laughs> You bring up two names I was going to bring up next. Um, but uh, one other thing I was going to say, that's exactly why I like. Um, I definitely like that. But 
at the same time, the, that's why I like the featherweight division because it seems to be the division of the underdog. For every one champion there is, a next guy steps up and comes out of nowhere and um, scores a victory. And all of a sudden, he's the top guy. Like, I'm a huge fan of Max Holiday. And um, I actually watched this fight while I was in Hawaii. And to be around um, um, that culture and see them embrace this guy is absolutely amazing. Yeah, and, yeah and I two, bet. And to Demetrius Johnson, too, where Dana White didn't even want the flyweight to even be a thing is also awesome that he took it, ran with it, and now he just cannot be beat. So, you yeah, know. I agree. Speaking of Anderson Silver, and you're talking about one of the greats, I mean, this guy cannot, uh, <laughs> can't piss clean for anything all of a sudden yeah. now. And he says his team is working uh, really hard with the USDA on this. I mean, do you, do you at, by any means, feel like this tarnishes his uh, legacy at all? Considering that all the big guys are, are taking huge L's with the USDA? Yeah, nah, I don't. Um, I mean, even you know, number one, like for him, look at the guys he fought and how much bigger a lot of them were than he was. But yeah. it didn't really make a difference just because he is who he is. Yeah. And like he's trained the way he's trained to get to. Where I mean, he was all reaction based stuff, but it was all just so on point and lethal. Yeah, um, some of the most impressive fights of all time. Yeah, man. I mean, he's just so awesome in the way that he would bait people into doing things was yeah. just amazing. Uh, yeah. And none of that was based off of steroids. So, <laughs> like, it does suck. You know what I'm saying? But think about like, do people still talk about Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and be like, oh, they're garbage? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Nah, yes, yes they it, do. <laughs> <laughs> some people might they, they might make a joke about steroids or things like that but you know people forget those things over time i think and remember the better things yeah i mean I, i'm gonna speak i don't i don't i can't speak on the mma but as a baseball fan uh one of the biggest uh debates as far as the end of career is what to do with bon sosa mcguire and that's a debate that really won't go away until they die yeah i can understand that um and you you brought up uh, GSP. Now I'm not throwing nobody's age out there, but you and GSP are the same age, I believe. And GSP had just made his return after a, maybe a three year hiatus. Um, first of all, he ducked my homie uh, uh, Nate Diaz. So I mean, yeah, um, Nick Diaz. I'm sorry, and uh, pretty much got a fluke victory over I forget uh, what's his name before he retired. But he did come back and he showed a lot of poise and um, Michael Bisping talk hella trash, which the other thing I'm going to ask you, this is a two-part question, because it seems that the trash talkers are the ones who sell all of a sudden. There's been a huge transition on marketing for UFC. The trash talkers, the heels are the ones who are selling tickets. If it is not Brock Lesnar, who's, I believe, before Conor McGregor had the highest um, bag taken home from the UFC, so you have Mark, you have uh, Conor McGregor, Brock Lesnar, Michael Bisping. I mean, all these huge trash talkers. But you have a you have a guy who had a you know three year hiatus come back and reclaim his victory. Considering he's a legend and um, obviously a, one of the fan favorites, what does that do to you as a fan to see that happen? Uh, <clears throat> I mean, I think it's awesome. Number one, um, I mean, also if you like follow GSP when he was fighting it doesn't really surprise you that much. I mean, the guy was like obsessive in his training and studying his opponents and everything like that. Um, so, I mean, I wasn't surprised that he won when he came back. 
but I also I don't think it's bad for the sport, even if he's not one of the highest uh, pay-per-view buy type of guys. Like mm-hmm. you said, he's a legend. I mean, he beat everybody at 170, literally. There was mm-hmm. nobody left for him to fight that wouldn't have been a rematch. Um, and two, like also the big thing was when people were talking about him and Anderson Silva doing a dream match or whatever, he was saying he would take a few years off to try to move up the weight class. So. Yeah. Like, that's probably a big part of the reason he took the time off in the first place, also to recover from everything he was doing to himself. Yeah. Um, and make movies, by But the just way. to come back and show that resilience and even be able to show up and perform like that yeah. in the main event of a UFC pay-per-view in your first fight back after that many years off is, like, super impressive. Yeah, because, look, um, I'm, it never happens that way. I mean, BJ Penn tried it a billion yeah. times, <laughs> and it just doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, as far as the trash talkers, uh, they do – do a good job of hyping fights and selling things. But at the same time, it's like there's a difference between Michael Bisping and Conor McGregor. Like, Michael Bisping talks a lot of trash. He rouses his opponents up. And, like, it works for him a lot of times, but sometimes it doesn't work, just like with GSP. Yeah. Conor McGregor, so far, everything he said he's going to do, he's pretty much gone out there and done it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> Outside of the one time he lost to Nate Diaz, um, <laughs> when he went in probably too cocky, underestimated his opponent. Uh, which I don't know why you would underestimate that guy's grappling. That's not not even a smart that idea. The guy's cardio is amazing. He's an amazing yeah. striker in his chin. And he yeah. wanted to stand up with this guy. Come on now. You know, yeah. he, he did that fight one day after doing the triathlon. So, you know, I'm just going to hype right. my favorite fighter right there. The, yeah, the, man. the brothers. Nah, so. Nate Diaz is the man. Both the Diaz brothers are awesome. Yeah. Uh, and just speaking of trash talkers, they're two of the best trash talkers as well. <laughs> um, and they do a good job of getting in guys' heads. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I would say their win-loss record is probably more impressive than Michael Bisping's, but I also say they probably do better as far as drawing numbers than he does too. I, I just have to say, like, it brought a tear to my eye from your promo, which we'll talk about later on. Um, I hope you quote in Don't Be Scared, homie. I was like, oh, he, yeah. know, <laughs> he quote my man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now I promise this is my last MMA question because I know I'm bored, Jamal. John yeah, Jones cool. is one of my favorites of all time. I mean, could you just – I'm everybody knows the guy. Everybody knows what he's done and the disappointment. And even Dana White calling him one of the most disappointing fighters of all time. What do you feel about this guy and everything he's been through over this last, what, three years? Yeah. Uh, part of me feels bad for him. Just because, like, I know how it is when you can be your own worst enemy. Mm. But it's also, like, he's come out in the public and half the time he's apologized and felt apologetic and says he regrets some of the stuff. And then half the time he comes out and is like, ah, nah, I don't feel bad. Uh, But I would say the fact that you keep messing up shows that you don't really feel bad about any of it. Um, Yeah. Especially when it's like you try to cover up a lot of the stuff or some of the things you're like, oh, you deflect at first. Like, oh, no, it's this. But it always like the truth is always going to come out. If something happens, just admit to it. Like you'll be a lot better off than this constant denial of everything. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, it is disappointing, Uh, especially because two like kids, you would think would consider him to be a role model. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like when they see him reacting like that, too, that doesn't set a good example for them. Yeah. Um, so it's just kind of disappointing, like you said, and a lot of other people have said. Uh, not that 
in my opinion, there's not a lot of athletes out there that uh, either are good role models or they don't get the credit that they deserve. Um, like there's a lot of guys that do a lot of charity and things like that. Uh, mm -hmm. But you only hear about a lot of the politically tied stuff nowadays. Um, that's that's very true. Yeah, that's a whole nother discussion, though. <laughs> All right, so again, everybody who's um, just tuned in and everything, we have John Kerman of Capital MMA of Nova Pro. Um, the the Cage Dilla Ironman Award uh, of, for 2016, based on his uh, dedication, um, consistency, and reliability. Um, so we, you know, we just covered a lot of uh, MMA thoughts and background on that. So we're going to transition into um, talking about wrestling because this guy's a Swiss Army blade. He is. Um, both a professional uh, independent wrestler and a professional MMA fighter. So um, let's, 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 I want to clear this up because I know I'm going to quote this wrong. If I'm not mistaken, you started off in professional wrestling. Is that correct? Yeah. And that is built back to 2014. So I would just like to know, um, you know, not sort of say what got you into it, but I'm more more or less curious as to how did you get into professional wrestling? And then when went off in your head and say, all right, I'm not totally content with this. I'm about to start training MMA. So uh, I actually started wrestling in 2000. Uh, that's okay. when I started wrestling school. Like 2004 is when I started branching out a little more. Uh, to, from 2000 to then, I did a lot of just local shows. Um, yeah. Oh, and if I, if I can but ask I, one favor, too, if you can definitely, um, th as you talk about this journey a little bit, I know you have a lot of friends and um, a lot of people that you've trained throughout this journey as well, too. If you if you definitely can mention that as well, too. All right, I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I started in 2000. Um, it was just something I always wanted to do from a kid, like most people that get into it, I think. Uh, and... So in 2000, I just I searched wrestling schools. I found the closest one to me, and it was an hour away from where I lived. Uh, but like, I remember by that time, Mick Foley's book had come out, and he was talking about how he had driven hours and hours to go to wrestling school and do wrestling training. So I was like, oh, one hour is nothing. Well, um, which book was that? Uh, I, it was his first one, I think. I can't okay. remember. I can't remember the name of it. Um, but I signed up. The first time I went there, I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. I know I want to try it uh, at least to see if I can do it. Um, but I, it, took, it was kind of hard for me to pick up some of the things, but I picked things up pretty quickly, and I had my first match after you know, just a few months, like three or four months. Um, but I had also kind of given myself a, a timeline of 10 years to try to do something in it. So when I got to that 10-year mark, I decided then, oh, you know um, – let me try something different. I didn't know what I wanted to do really. And I was like, well, I'll try this mixed martial arts stuff, <laughs> uh, which a lot of times people will say is kind of a crazy thing to do. But at the same time, um, you know, it's kind of like we only have one life to live and mm -hmm. I'd rather try things while I can. All the potential things that could go good or go wrong and try to battle myself about it uh, and waste a lot of time. Um, so after 10 years, I switched to MMA. Uh, but starting out, um, I mean, I had learned from a lot of different people. One thing I was always taught was to travel as much as you could, to learn as much as you could from everybody. Um, 
and I was lucky at the time to be going to a lot of places. Uh, I wasn't really doing shows with them, but I went to a lot of CZW shows and places like that where I'm able to, even if you're not wrestling, you can still learn stuff. You know what I mean? Just from watching the show or watching people uh, talk about their matches, um, you can kind of figure stuff out that way as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of that was thanks to Sanjay Dutt, who I trained with. Um, I'm sure you see him commenting on my Facebook a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you, guys, I'm, I'm, uh, you guys are definitely BFFs, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, I, around 2007 or so, the gym we trained at, Kaida Pro Wrestling, um, they had reopened and they needed someone to run the training school, and I was doing that at that time. Uh, and there's been... I, I mean, there's a lot of people that come in and out of wrestling all the time. There's some people that come for like three weeks and they quit. Uh, there's some people that stick with it and make it pretty far. Um, a lot of the people that I trained at that time, not very many of them are still wrestling at this time. Um, but the few that are, I would say, are doing great. Um, but I trained Nala Rose. Uh, and again, this is just teaching them the basics and how to start out and everything like that. It's not like I taught them everything they know. I just helped them start out. You're such a um, humble but guy. But Nala Rose is one of them. <laughs> huh? I say you're such a humble guy. No. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's true, though, because I think about, you know, my own journey when I think about this kind of thing. And it's like, well, you know, a lot of the stuff I figured out on my own. Yeah. So I can't really take credit for anybody else's success. People still have to go out there and do everything on their own. Yeah. Um, I didn't hold anybody's hand through all of this. Uh I also trained Logan, uh, Logan Easton LaRue. Um, I helped train him. Uh, I helped train Mia Yim, uh, a name I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with. Uh, and just like, again, countless other people. Um, a lot of them aren't wrestling nowadays. Uh, those are the three that do it the most consistently, though. Um, and now I'm really aware, still out there and doing stuff. Uh, if there's other people, I'm just not 100% sure, really. Awesome. Yeah, it sounds good. Now, coming up in the um, December, uh, you and Dominic Garini, uh, another big you know, MMA guy, the bone collector, as it were, are going to have a no ropes match. Now, obviously, you know, the wrestling ring and, and what you do and, and everything is predicated on the fact that there are boundaries, uh, you know, that separate, you know, the inside and outside of the ring, the audience from, you know, that goes out the window. How does that change your mindset, your preparation for going into a match that, you know, could spill out into the audience? Uh, it excites me. <laughs> uh, one thing, too, with that, though, there's going to be no rope breaks. So, you know, if I get him in a submission, what, right. what's he going to do to get out of it? He's going to have to have good defense. The defense is going to have to be on point. Um, but it's also, I mean, to that degree, it's something I'm – I'm sure it's been done before, but not anything I can be aware of or uh, that I'm aware of or that people talk a, a lot about. So to me, that kind of gives us a chance to maybe set this match apart from a lot of other matches. Um, yeah, I've definitely not heard of it in the U.S., but outside of like sumo or wrestling in India, uh, you know, traditional wrestling there, you know, where it's just a you know, ring out and then, you know, you're done. But this is going to be the closest thing to like a real life like t- virtual fighter or Tekken match that. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we lose if we get knocked off. I don't know if those are the rules. <laughs> uh, I kind of hope not because I'd like for it to get a little wild. Um, 
But I mean, I, you know, I also assume it's not going to be your traditional wrestling rules. Uh, I mean, there's going to be probably a lot of strikes thrown. Um, I imagine punches will be legal. Uh, kicks are already illegal, so I'm not really worried about that. But I just know that this thing is definitely going to be a fight between the two of us. So now, <clears throat> one question out of the way: When you're in the in the wrestling ring, and and a lot of pro wrestling is part athleticism, moveset, and, and that, that type of thing, and charisma and, and interacting with the crowd. Uh, in MMA, uh, you guys were going on a, a lot about the biggest trash talkers and stuff like that. Um, do you think that the kind of the pro wrestling aspects of MMA and, and the way it's that it's the things are hyped and uh, our matches that you have the biggest trash talkers now that that is a category? Uh, what does that do for the legitimacy of a sport? Because when you're selling tickets based on hype and not actual substance in the ring or in the octagon or whatever the hell prison tesseract it is, <laughs> um, you know, what does that do? For, does it take away from the legitimacy of, of the sport where it just become more fluff and hype instead of actual? They don't need to talk. They want to get in the ring, and one dude's not going to walk out. Right. It can. It kind of depends. Like UFC is in a spot right now where uh, they're going to kind of find that out because a lot of the guys now are trying to talk trash. Um, and like I said earlier, there's a difference between like Conor McGregor and Michael Bisping. Conor McGregor talks trash, and then the trash that he talks, he goes and he delivers in the octagon. I got That's kind of what really separates Chael him from everybody else. Chael Sonnen talks yeah, so much I, trash, and I don't think he's won a fight in the last 10 years. <laughs> no, <laughs> and he still and gets like, fights. he talks all that trash, and he embarrassed himself the second time he fought Anderson Silva, <laughs> and he never came close to a main event again, I don't think. <laughs> uh, so it's like sometimes the trash talkers do talk their way into, uh, you know, opportunities a little too fast. Um and it kind of depends on the division too. Like 185 at that time, there's really not a lot of people for Anderson Silva to fight. But it's like a lot of these guys that are trying to talk trash now, uh, if they're not even close to the top 10, like I, actually I'd even say top five, they're kind of wasting their time. Like you have to win big fights right now in UFC to kind of move ahead. Uh, so just talking trash isn't really working out for guys um, as much as I think people think it is. Um, it just depends on really who's delivering at the time more than anything. I Fair enough. Uh, do, do you think that though, um, that this is a thing that should continue? And, and, and like, and I'm trying to differentiate between like the worked wrestling match and the legitimate uh, uh, deal. Um, do you think we've seen a lot of these things where the world's kind of collide, you know, uh, Ronda Rousey's been showing up at, NXT events and, and stuff like that, and she was in the ring at WrestleMania a couple years ago, and and we were seeing pro wrestlers go over to MMA and, and do their thing there for better or worse. Uh, should these are these words, worlds eventually going to uh, absorb each other and come into like one nuanced thing? Should that happen, or is it kind of like well, back to Nova Pro where you know the the two things aren't mutually exclusive? Yeah. Um... I don't think it'll ever become a thing where they become blended. Uh, I think the, there will always borrow aspects from each other, uh, specifically with MMA, like the trash talking and the hyping. 
um, which I actually think is kind of a good thing because it makes people excited to see the fight. Uh, every time people talk about, you know, the people that don't sell fights is the guys that don't ever say anything and they're fighting another guy who doesn't say anything. Uh, so it's kind of like when it's just two guys talking about how they respect each other, you're just kind of like, all right, yeah, that's cool. That you have no real extra incentive to watch that fight necessarily, unless it's like two guys who are, you know, just wrecking people on a regular basis in their prime. Um, so I don't really necessarily think it's a bad thing. Um, and I think, again, it's good that MMA, there's a lot of MMA crossover in wrestling right now because it brings a lot of legitimacy to wrestling, which, pe like I said before, people were complaining about. And again, I think it's making people bring, uh, their level up in athleticism and the things they do in the ring overall. Um, so I think it's a good thing. I don't think they'll ever be, again, totally absorbed with each other. Uh, but I think the crossover has benefited um, both, to even at the highest level with Brock and everything like that. Uh, I think I remember that brought, you know, both things were talked about on SportsCenter. He's talked mm -hmm. about SportsCenter time. He fights. So it's good exposure for both companies whenever that happens. Yeah, he went from uh, returning to SummerSlam to uh, fighting Mark Hunt and, again, uh, at the time, receiving the UFC's highest bag. So, yeah, it worked. I mean, the guy, again, yeah. had – I don't know how long his hiatus was, but he came back and he brought in sales like no other. Yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, Bellator and uh, TNA, if that's even still a, a joint thing anymore. I mean, you had people like Bobby Lashney and um, uh, maybe King Mo uh, doing it as well, too. And at a at a point, I thought like, all right, this is this is bad. This is like crazy. Like this is not going to work. Um, but again, I, it, it did prove, which is you know they don't get a lot of credit for it, but it does prove that you know you can have a successful career in MMA, which Bobby Lashley did. He was he, he couldn't be beat at a point, and then he goes back and wrestles um, for TNA and, and has a, a a very good career, which uh, he's still with as well now too. So. Um, you know, I thought like, you know, Vince McMahon was quoted back before, like, you know, they'll never work together because, you know, oh, Dana White, I'm sorry, was was quoted before that. Hey, you know, we're not going to do that because we're not going to like, you know, take the legitimacy from our sports. But at the end of the day, for, if it's not wrestling, if it's not MMA, everybody's just trying to make money by yeah. all means. So, yeah. <laughs> And the thing, too, is it's like in MMA, you can't question legitimacy because one guy's going to win, one guy's going to lose. Like, yeah. they're fighting for real. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And it's like people talk about a lot of these fights and ask if they're worked and things like that. It's like, you can number one, you can tell. Number two, if it ends with one person being unconscious, when's the last time you heard of somebody in wrestling agreeing to being knocked unconscious? Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I mean, now you take you you take it now to the to the third um combat sport and being boxing and now you look at what may be considered i'm sorry i mean it maybe it fell a little bit under the pacquiao mayweather but still it made a ton of money from conor mcgregor doing his first professional boxing match against floyd mayweather and it absolutely broke like the the, the boxing or just combat sports world so again it's all about money at the end of the day but actually now that i bring that out what do you think about conor's uh performance in that boxing fight um, I mean, it was good. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he kind of fell into Floyd's plan of working a little too hard at the beginning. Uh, and just from like my corner man, he holds pads for a pro boxer in the DC area from time to time. 
and he's told me that he punches harder than anybody else that he's ever held pads for, even like the heavyweight MMA guys. You wow. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's just a difference in the punching from boxing yeah. to mixed martial arts. That's really, to me, is the biggest difference. Uh, I mean, in MMA or even just Muay Thai kickboxing, you have to be a little lighter on your feet. In mm-hmm. boxing, you can plan a little more and punch a little harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you start on that base, I would say you definitely know how to punch harder. Um, so to me, like Connor was landing a lot of punches, especially in the early rounds. Uh, but a lot of times when he landed him, I felt like I saw Floyd smiling. Yeah. So I was kind of like, well, he's not hitting him hard enough. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing too is like, even from having boxing guys come into the gym and seeing them spar, like for them, sparring is just all out war. I mean, they're fighting every time they just have headgear on is the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's like I always see them with busted noses and busted lips and things like that. Um, so if Connor's not sparring like that for his fight, then it's kind of like, you know, to me, he just didn't have the real boxing fundamentals necessarily to beat a Floyd Mayweather. But at the same time, he was in there for all those rounds with, you know, the greatest. A guy of, people of right will now. say is the best boxer of all time. Yeah, I always say it is like, you know, and one mixtape basketball player trying to play LeBron one on one. But you know what? Right. Yeah. The the one thing I will say about that fight um, is just that he had a I thought he had a great uh, game plan. I mean, obviously, Vegas judges cannot be trusted. So if you go and make at least the first six rounds very interesting, then you have mm. a chance of throwing the whole fight. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I, like, I mean, he I, definitely had a lot of output. He was throwing a lot of punches. Yeah. Like the whole time. That, and that's that's how I thought his game. You know, he said, you know, the going to twelve rounds was hard. He pretty much he lost in the tenth round or ninth round. Um, and you know, um, for his game plan or what he did, he executed it. But he just went against the person who I consider is the best boxer of this time, and Floyd Mayweather, who just ad- adjusted maybe three times in a match his game plan, and Conor didn't have anything. It's like the yeah. the, the, the brawling wasn't going to work any much longer for him. Oh, no. Nah. So, I mean, it's a good – he was very composed, you know what yeah. I'm saying, which was good because if he came out there being wild, he definitely would have probably got knocked out. Yeah. that that's And that goes a lot. Like, that that goes unheard of. Nobody's really talking about that. Everybody's talking about he's going to go out there and throw kicks. Like, come on now. The, the guy was all about his money yeah. as well, too. And for his first fight, he, he actually may have put on a better fight than I've seen a lot of other people who fought Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. So. yeah. He definitely so, hit him a lot more times than a lot of people. <laughs> So I know you say you like wrestling, uh, traditional wrestlers better, but you did fight uh, last year in which I watched uh, online. You fought Matt Riddle, who also has a sort of say of a, 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 a upbringing as yours as yours as well too. Um, so how how does it how do you, how do you go into preparation for a match like that? Considering um, who who Matt Riddle is on the indie scene, and, and knowing that you may not be able to bring something new to a match that he's never seen. Yeah, so uh, I mean, the thing he's a little bigger than me too, so it's kind of like uh, there's a few challenges with that. Um, Obviously, the biggest one being that he's going to know what I'm trying to do most of the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at the same time, if he's going to try when he, you know, he incorporates his MMA stuff, I also know what he's doing. Um, And kind of what I alluded to earlier a little bit as well. Being a smaller guy, there's different moves I can do that maybe he can't do. So I would say that's really my biggest advantage is being able to work into positions that he can't uh, necessarily either get into or might not even be familiar with seeing, uh, depending on if he trains the smaller guys a lot or not. Um, 
but it was a match I definitely enjoyed. Um, the mental preparation, I guess, is a little different too, just because it's a guy that's fought before. Uh, so again, I, I just have to go in understanding that he's going to know a lot of what I'm trying to do. Um, yeah. but also be aware that he might try to do a lot of the same things back. Uh, so he's going to be pretty much equally as dangerous as me. Um, at least when it comes to the grappling game and everything like that. Yeah. Uh, I might try to even go a little more traditional pro wrestling style against someone like him just to try <laughs> to throw him off his game. Uh, okay, so if I, if I understand this correctly, then if you're going to get somebody who has more of an MMA background, you go, to, you go back to your wrestling background because you feel like that may be the element of surprise, where vice versa, in some of these guys that you faced in Noah Pro this year, I mean... You went undefeated up until you um you met uh Tim Dunst, who we'll talk about in a second. But I mean, you beat the likes of uh Chip Day, Roy Gulak, Fred Yeha, and which was an amazing match. Um, Tracy Household Williams, and then you even have a win with Dominic Greeny earlier within a year. Um, so out of the out of the five of those guys, two of them do have an MMA background, but Fred Yeha is uh, is absolutely a, a grappling machine and to see you like wow him or completely catch him by a surprise is is the appreciation that i don't think the fans are actually getting which i was which i from the comment i was gonna say earlier where you know you have the, some of some of the fans say oh john kerman is boring so before i even say any more on that what, what what will be your direct response to fans who says that your matches are boring um <laughs> uh that's fine if they think they're born like i don't really care um wrestling is supposed to be a mix of everything you know what i mean like i'm not gonna give my opinion on it maybe a match or a character or something that i don't like uh just because i don't like it doesn't mean nobody likes it uh obviously there's an appeal to my matches because i think they do get a positive reaction for the most part um and it's fine. Like, I, you know, it doesn't bother me if people think that or say that. Uh, even if people boo or cheer me at the matches, like, uh, I mean, obviously I want a reaction. You know what I'm saying? But even if they're going to start booing me, that's okay. Uh, I might not be for everybody. Um, but I'm still going to go out there and do my thing because, again, I think it's just different from a lot, what a lot of other people do. Uh, and that's really kind of the point of wrestling is to try to bring something different to the table. Right. But, but earlier, again, when we started on, that's what we were talking about earlier. It was kind of like a, uh, yeah, there was just no reaction. Um, you know, it was, it was library quiet in there. And then now, you know, you're one of the bigger guys. So do you think that, uh, obviously you've done something to connect with the audience, to connect, you know, with, whether it's through your matches, whether it's different opponents or bringing something, you're definitely bringing something weren't originally in Nova Pro and the crowd is definitely responding responded to that. How important do you think that is in the wrestling sense? Because in the MMA sense, the only person that you could should be considered uh, focused on is your opponent. Whereas in wrestling, it is still your opponent and the audience that may or may not be working with or against you as well. And, and if I can add something to that too, the likes of everyone you've beat at Nova Pro aren't Considered homegrown Nova Pro talent, the people you have lost to has been people such as you know, like Logan Sarah. I know it's a, it was a it was a third it was a dirty uh, uh, finish, but Tim Donks, who's absolutely another home favorite. Which the only common denominator I'm seeing here is that these are 
these are uh, are talent that people are overly with no matter what where you do have a split crowd with you so as jamal said do you feel that this one factor of not having the complete cooperation and backing up the crowd may have to do something with the, the finishes of your matches uh no nah, i don't think it has anything to do with the finishes i just think it has to do again with my style um i mean a lot of it too is just like uh all of my moves aren't necessarily the biggest or fanciest you know what i'm saying um like i said a lot of times really what i prefer to do is wait for the other guy to try to do something fancy and then try to reverse him on it yeah uh, which doesn't always get the biggest reaction depending on kind of you know what happens or where it ends up or anything like that um i think for me really when i started again getting momentum uh i guess there's a few different things again i think a lot of people didn't know what to make of me uh i remember a lot of times in the early reviews of shows if i saw them online they would say something like i was a guy with an mma gimmick um but I think once people maybe started finding out more about me, like the fact that I actually fight, <laughs> I'm not just the guy with the MMA gimmick. Um, you know, like that's obviously going to get you a little bit of respect. Uh, and again, like you said, I'm a homegrown talent. Uh, I'm a Nova Pro guy. Like Nova Pro, and then there's one other place that I wrestle for in New Jersey. Those are the only two places I wrestle. Um, Capital? So – I yeah. think that helps me connect with the people in that way because they're really seeing like their own home based talent come up and face these big challenges and having these matches that deliver uh, and knowing that really that's the only place you can go to see them, I think is kind of endearing as well. Yeah. yeah and, um, and the the um, promotion in New Jersey, speaking of is Capital Wrestling, in which you've uh, been up there and faced uh, uh, Jeff Cannonball, which, uh, was a three-part saga, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Yeah. Too. So again, you're you're no you're no stranger to fighting people much bigger than you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. So, okay. So two two comments from the things you said. Number one, and, and to the fans that's listening, and I I religiously uh, promote this when we do the kickoff show for Nova Pro. Like, like if you like Kermit and you don't, the guy has beat some of the top talent to ever walk through the doors of Nova Pro. And MMA, if anybody who's unclear by now, stands for Mitch Martial Arts. And the key word here is arts for everybody may not understand what Picasso mind may have been when he was writing uh, or, or drawing on a board. But down the line, a lot of people appreciate it. And then it started to gross a lot of money as well. So if, no matter if you're appreciating what you're seeing right now, I advise you to get on board before it's too late because that yeah. seems to be the common thing with ours. And you just say, like, with guys with their fancy move, these counters that you do are, like, unheard of. And I and I can say this with great deal of confidence that some of the stuff that you're doing in there, these hybrid, you know, martial arts and wrestlers aren't doing it at all. They're not yeah, doing thanks, it. They're not, they're not showing you what, what you see in the octagon in the wrestling ring and saying, like, Oh no! I gotta completely like vanilla this out because this is wrestling. No, you're like no. I will absolutely do this in the octagon too. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the only thing which I asked you uh, when we talked at the end of the last show is considering what wrestling is, considering what uh, what MMA is. 
and and you could correct me if I'm if I'm wrong with the terminology with this as well too. When you're in that octagon, you your mind has to be on kill. So how do you get into the square circle and you turn that kill trigger off? However, you find yourself in the same predicaments because I I I, I told you before like considering who you are when i seen you near that rear naked choke that uh dominic Garini had you on like i stood up i was like oh shit, this is over <laughs> consider like but you stayed calm and you legitimately got out of it like like no kayfabe at all like you can legitimately got out of it but i just want to know how do you again which may be more in a in a desperate uh, situation in the octagon but in this square circle what's the demeanor what's the what's the what's the mindset uh considering that uh so i mean anytime that i'm going into a fight i know the other dude across the way from me is coming to hurt me uh a hundred percent like he's trying to knock me unconscious or choke me uh most of the time trying to knock you unconscious everybody wants that highlight real knockout um in wrestling it's a lot more gamesmanship you're trying to one-up each other uh so it's kind of a little different wrestling. You get more time to feel out uh, the opponent in the crowd and everything like that. Uh, it's not necessarily about going in there and trying to uh, destroy each other all the time. Um, that's really the biggest difference, I would say. Uh, you know, again, fighting is just like – and in fighting, is a little more competitive um, as far as like – you're trying to prove yourself a little more. Um, not that you're not trying to prove yourself in wrestling. That's kind of the whole point as well, is to prove that you know, you're worthy of being in these big spots and everything like that. But you do it in different ways. It's not just about your in-ring performance. You have to do other stuff too, uh, like connecting with the crowd and uh, you know, having them request to see you fight big matches and things like that. Uh, whereas MMA, you just go out there and you, if you keep winning, like, you're just going to keep doing better no matter what. It's not always that way in wrestling. Yeah. Jamal? Uh, that, that sounds good. Um, now, Thanksgiving's coming up. Uh, you got the show on Black Friday, the 11th Dimension. Uh, talk about a little bit about your opponent uh, for for the show. And then, of course, that leads into the um, no, no, no Ropes match on December 28th versus Dominic Greeny. Um, well, the first thing, uh, the no hopes ropes match, is this it? Is this the end? Is this like the last uh, stand for you two? You've had you know quite the feud over the last couple of months, and yeah, you called him out, and he accepted, and now it is what it is. Uh, just before New Year's, so you know, is how how does that you know, no matter what happens, win, lose, or draw, uh, where do you guys go from here? Uh, I mean, as long as, you know, he doesn't try to do anything, uh, any try to pull any sleight of hand or anything like that, try to do anything tricky, I, yeah, I assume it'd be the end. Um, again, uh, I assume this match is, is going to be violent. We're going to beat each other. Uh, it's not necessarily going to be like our past matches where we've gone in there and kind of felt each other out with some grappling first. I think we're just going to show up and fight. Um, at least that's my intent. Uh, so, I mean, I don't see where we could go beyond this. Uh, right. Again, unless some kind of trickery is involved or something like that, uh, I assume this is going to be it for us. Now, do you think – well, not do you think. Uh, is there still a level of respect there? Uh, you know, you guys have traded wins and losses. 
you kind of felt each other out for for a while now. You kind of know what the other guys uh, thinking. There's got to be a little bit of gamesmanship uh, in that, and and not just you know <laughs> it's not going to turn into this yeah, tournament of death. But yeah, you know, because you have to prepare because you can't take a guy like Garini for granted, uh, and and he you as as well. Uh, there still has to be a level of respect there, you know, even though you guys want to beat the absolute hell out of each other. Yeah, I mean, I respect any man that's going to agree to face me because I don't think it's ever a good idea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, yeah, there is. I mean, you know, he's also done his time on the mats and in training and everything like that. I'm going to respect that, of course. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I respect him more than I respect myself. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So when it comes down to it and we show up, I expect myself to be the better athlete and the better fighter that day. Uh, it's just the way it is. Um, and while I do respect him, I definitely don't respect him more than I respect myself and my own skills. Uh, of course so definitely, like I said, I expect that that day we're going to show up, we're going to fight, but I kind of already think I know what the outcome is going to be. Uh, on the MMA side of things, when is your next uh, professional bout? Uh, I don't have one set right now. Uh, the end of the year is kind of a slow time um, okay. for fighting. There was one card I could have potentially got on in December, uh, but they were filled up by the time I contacted them. Um, so probably early next year, maybe January or February. Uh, but I'll, you know, there will be announcements and stuff when I do that on my Facebook and my Instagram. It should be Twitter, but we're not going to go there. The fact that you don't yeah. have a Twitter. <laughs> no. I don't need to hear a lot of negative stuff, man. That's all that's on Twitter is people all I'm, talking All about. I'm saying is somehow, way, Logan has one now. So if Logan could get one who could, was completely against his will, too, you definitely can get one. <laughs> yeah, I'll think about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, again, you have uh, Wheeler, Utah coming up for 11th Dimension, which is going to be Black Friday. And then you have the No Rope match, which could damn where end up anywhere inside the, the arena that night against Dominique Garini, which is going to be at such great heights, which is going to be on December 28th. So um, two matches uh, we'll be looking forward to. Um, fan of yours, again, people, look, they're not on board. I don't care. I'm, I've never been a person that likes to be in the, in the popular crowd. So despite the people like like it or don't like it, I, I know what's right. <laughs> and I know yeah. the way to go on this one. So, um a couple of other things just before we get out of here. Um, I watched you in a news interview, which was for VOA News, in which you did, um, they, they did an interview, and I guess they spoke towards your kickboxing and MMA background, um, which was a French broadcast. Now, I, I, would, I would love to know, how did you, how was this booked? Uh, how did you get to that? And um, what was the experience like? Uh, oh, it was actually um, is broadcast in Africa. I'm okay. not sure which country exactly, but there's you know a few French speaking countries in Africa. Right, right. Um, yeah, so it was broadcast there uh, for VOA Voice of America. Um, they actually they just contacted me out of the blue and asked okay. me if I could come in. Their studios in DC. Uh, okay. I live in DC, uh, so obviously it's a natural um, matchup right there. Yeah, uh, and. Uh, you know, even if I was supposed to be working or something like that, I, things like that I always try to take advantage of. So I told them, yeah, right away, even before, like, thinking about my schedule at all, um, just because, you know, 
it's not every day you get to do something like that. Yeah. Um, but it was pretty awesome. Uh, I mean, it was in like a real TV studio and everything like that. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was really cool to do. Um, the people on the show were awesome. They were all super nice and everything like that. Um, and I was on TV in Africa. Like, that's pretty cool, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, Jamal, did you have any closing questions for our final remarks? Oh, I just have idea. I'm also, in, I'm also in DC too. So, you know, it's, it's amazing how many little things you, you wind up seeing and getting into uh, on every corner. But yeah, no, I, I, yeah. I think uh, I'm good. I just, you know, obviously it's, you know, it's something that we need to talk to you more about for, you know, while, you know, you definitely want to get your thoughts on the whole uh, Conor McGregor thing and, and and how well that worked out. But uh, for you, man, you know, your stock is definitely going up at Nova Pro. And whatever you're doing, you know, keep doing it. I think, um, you know, the audience finally smartened up, you know, as it comes around to what the Terminator does. But, um, you know, the no ropes match is going to be certainly something, personally, as a photographer, uh, thank God there's going to be no ropes because they always get in my damn way. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's so funny. Yeah, yeah, that's a good so, point. So I, I didn't I, think I, of. Yeah, I'm always okay with that. But um, <laughs> it will be interesting to see how different the match is from, you know, from a wrestling standpoint because you're, uh, you know, you kind of base your surroundings based on the ropes, based on the turnbuckle, mm. based on how close you are. It's a game of inches. And if you're locked down in a submission move and, and and stuff like that, a lot of uh, offense is generated by uh, springing off the ropes and stuff. And it will be interesting where it just kind of expands into infinity. So uh, that would be – that's definitely one of the more interesting matches that, um, that I've heard of this year, along with the triathlon match. We'll have Michael on Tuesday to talk about what exactly shenanigans – you know, he's coming up, cooking up in his crock pot there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, John, man, it's been a great time talking to you. Yeah, no, thanks, guys, for having me on. It's a blast. Uh, I had a really good time. And anytime you want to have me on, I'm more than welcome to come back. Awesome, man. I, yeah, definitely look forward to it. I, I, just spoke, I just sparked the question in my head real quick because I'm thinking about this uh, no rope match real quick. So I understand that there's a VA fight committee or athletic committee which governs yeah. wrestling. Yeah, athletic commission. Okay, do they also govern uh, MMA as well? Uh, yeah, they do. Uh, they have two different people overseeing each one. Okay, I'm sure though. So you, um, um, blood can be drawn in the octagon, but just not in the wrestling match, right? I'm, I'm, I'm not right. wishing blood on anybody, but I'm just wondering is that is that true? Yeah, it is. Okay. And, and and then one other thing I was I was uh, thinking earlier before I was preparing for the show and 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 how recent did did MMA become not legalized but uh, or is that the correct term um, or how when did it actually become uh, legal to hold MMA uh, events in Virginia? Uh, that I'm actually not sure on. Um, and it's funny, Virginia, the wrestling commission, they don't allow a lot of things. Like you said, you can't bleed in Virginia. Right. Uh, a lot of that is because there's no blood testing for wrestling. There's blood testing for MMA. That's why it's uh, not a problem for MMA. But uh, it's a problem for wrestling. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That um, makes sense. But there's that. Uh, oh, damn. I forgot my point. <laughs> 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 uh, 
but the wrestling commission in Virginia is like at this point they're not existing. They used to be real stringent on everything and show up at all the shows and make sure people weren't breaking the rules and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of stopped showing up for MMA. They're always there for everything. Um, and I mean the commissions, it just like it kind of depends state to state. They're different. Oh, th- this is the point. MMA too in amateur. You can have like they have full professional rules, so you can elbow people and knee people in the head and things like that. A lot of other states you can't do that in MMA uh, <laughs> at the amateur level. Um, which I mean, depending on what you plan on doing, yeah. can be good or bad. I think it's a good thing, being yeah. that I went pro, to have yeah. the pro rules the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> but, right, right, right. Uh, but uh, you know, in places like Pennsylvania, you have to wear like shin guards and yeah. If it goes to the ground, you can't punch the person on the ground, I think. You can only do, like, grappling stuff. See, I always like to draw parallels. This is like the Lonzo Ball treatment where he had a good three in college, and but now that the three-point line has moved back in the NBA, he's struggling badly to hit it. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, I saw something where he has, like, one of the worst shooting percentages. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but to be fair, he's not facing Dwayne Wade and, you know, Kyrie Irving uh, in yeah. college. You know I mean? There, there's yeah. no equivalent to Mount St. Mary's in the NBA. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's top level uh, competition every single well, time. Well, he still, he still has to shoot the ball regardless. If he's, yep. regardless. Yeah, he's supposed to be one of those top guys. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, again, I hate to put you on the spot, but um, t- two other things. Number one, do you have any remarks for uh, Willa Utah or Dominique Garini going into your next two matches that you would like to say? And or anything to the Noah Pro fans who still are like, oh, he's boring, blah, blah, blah. Do you have a quick, I don't know, 30 seconds of things to say to address any of those right. issues? Uh, to Dominic, I'll see you in December. I uh, hope you're ready to catch his beating. To Wheeler, I'll say, sorry, uh, you're just kind of in the way between me and Dom, so you're going to catch a beating. To the normal pro fans that don't like me, keep showing up to the shows. Keep buying tickets. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> keep coming out and supporting. <laughs> John Kerber, ladies and gentlemen, where can they find you on social media? Mine is your Twitter that doesn't exist. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Kerminator. It's K-E-R-M-O-N-A-T-O-R. Facebook, just John Kerman, my name. Um, Those are the only two things I'm on right now. I don't really do any of the other stuff. And if anybody anybody wants to get that firsthand training, where do they find you at? Oh, CapitalMMA.com. There's a place where you can submit your information if you're interested in training or anything like that. if you want to come out and see me fight um, in Northern Virginia, I have fought for Strike Off in the past. I don't know when their next show might be, uh, but hopefully I'll be on it. Um, other than that, you can just kind of pay attention to my social media to see what else I have coming up outside of Nova Pro. Yeah, right. if, you, if you are at home and you want to start sweating, sitting on your couch, watch his uh, Facebook videos because the consistent yeah. amount of training, I, I be thinking I'm working out at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so again, ladies and gentlemen, John Kerman of Capital MMA of Nova Pro because, you know, that's his home. But yes, he does wrestle other places too, but you reclaim him as our home as so yeah. of Nova Pro. One of the nicest guys in the world, one of the baddest MFs out there. So good luck to anybody who decides to step in the octagon or the square circle with him. Kermit, we appreciate you coming on. And like you said, we we, we will be doing this again for sure. Cool. So Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I had a lot of fun.
not a problem. Uh, and everybody that's joining and listening today, appreciate y'all listening. We'll catch you guys uh, Tuesday, which we will have Mike King, promoter and founder of Nova Pro, getting ready to promote the uh, um, 11th Dimension show coming up Black Friday. Thanks for tuning yep. in. Yep. <laughs>